Um, how much has the Lord done for us? How much has the Lord Jesus Christ done for you, church? He gave his life, right, uh, to pay the price for our sins. Aren't you glad this morning that he did? <laughs> the, the Christ of the Bible, the only begotten Son of the Father. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, came as a man to die on the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven. Some will say, Pastor, how can that be? How can one man's death be the basis for my forgiveness? Well, Gary, that's the plan that God the Father made, right? So if that's his plan, must be it's the good plan, the right plan. Aren't you glad for that this morning? We can know that from the word of God. Aren't you glad this morning that you can know that according to scripture, anyone who would repent, uh, turn, uh, turning from their old ways and turning to Christ and trusting in the, the, the sacrifice that he made upon the cross, you're forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? His payment, the payment that he made is paid on to our account. Uh, and, and what is due to God the Father because of our sin is stamped paid in full. And that stamp can't be erased, right? According to the Bible, we understand that once, once that payment is made onto your account, as you turn to Christ in faith and place your faith in him and what he did, the blood he shed, the price he paid, you're saved. You're saved. Nothing can change that according to the word of God. Uh, should I continue to repent of sin? Well, to keep your uh, relationship with the Lord right, yes, but you can't lose your salvation according to Scripture. Aren't you glad for that this morning? We have some things to celebrate, to uh, praise God for this morning. I'm so very thankful for that. Listen, if you're not sure about your salvation this morning, don't, don't leave without being sure of that. You can be sure this morning, according to God's words, uh, that if you'll turn and place your faith in Christ, you can know, uh, K-N-O-W, know that your sins are forgiven. Uh, by the way, how long is eternal life? How long is that eternal life that you get in that moment? How long is it? Brother Garcia, have you calculated that? Forever. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible this morning, please. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy uh, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead, turn to 1 Timothy. Uh, if you came without one, we'll get you one. Don't leave without one, okay? If you came without a Bible, we'll, we'll get you one. See me uh, before you leave this morning. Uh, here in our church, we preach and teach through books of the Bible, generally speaking. Uh, here in our 11 o'clock Sunday morning service, uh, I'm preaching through uh, the book of 1 Timothy. So this is the Apostle Paul. Uh, writing God's words to young pastor Timothy, uh, seems to be pastoring a church at this time. He's a young pastor. The Lord has had Paul uh, to pen down these words, God's words, and send them off to Timothy. We understand that God has preserved these words, and uh, we have this wonderfully accurate King James Bible where we have the words of God preserved for us for English-speaking people this morning. Uh, why? why? Why has God done that? Because these words are for us as well, right? Somebody say amen. These are God's words for us as well. So you open the Bible and you say, uh, you know, it might be a privilege to receive a letter from the president or someone who you uh, have a lot of respect for, someone in a high place. You open the Bible this morning, you have, you have a letter from someone who's in the highest place, amen? The Lord himself. What a privilege. Uh, what a privilege, and, and so very accurately, wonderfully translated for us in our King James Bible. Uh, here in 1 Timothy, we're in, we're in chapter 5 this morning, but I, I want to just make reference back to chapter 4 uh, for a moment. Recall last week in chapter 4, we saw 
Paul was warning Timothy about people who had the truth, but who chose to turn away from it. Uh, that idea of apostasy, turning away from something. Uh, to have the truth and, and to turn to set it aside, to walk away from that. This, this biblical idea of apostate, apostasy, someone who does that, uh, be referred to as an apostate. And so Paul warned Timothy all through chapter 4, uh, hey, stand guard, stand guard for the truth, stand in the truth, uh, the truth of God's words, be aware of those who have not only turned from truth themselves, but who desire to draw you into their error, into their apostasy. Uh, sin loves company, right? Sin loves company. Uh, you probably know that, you know, if, you, if, you've, if you've been on the wrong road before, if you've, if you've uh, turned from the Lord for any part of your life and uh, you've, you've turned away from the Lord, you've returned to some sinful things, you know, one of the best ways to kind of soothe your conscience to see if you can't get other people involved, right? Boy, if other people will join me in this, it can't be that bad. No, it is. Sin is sin, regardless of who's doing it with you, right? Sin is sin is sin. If it's against God's word, uh, it's sin. So Paul has warned Timothy about apostasy, and uh, he's, he's given them a, a little bit of a description about what to look for in these people. And then perhaps more, most importantly, he gave them uh, a way of escaping that. He said, Timothy, as the pastor, you need to remind people uh, of truth. You need to refuse to walk in error. You need to have a good example uh, yourself. You need to live a godly life. You need to raise up uh, godly people in your church and teach them uh, the truth. Uh, you need to be, always be reading God's words, he said. Don't, he, don't you allow yourself to get out of the Bible. You be in the Bible every day so that you can constantly be reminded what truth is. Has anybody here memorized the entire Bible? Gary? Not quite yet. <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to memorize as much of the Bible as you can. Uh, if you're not sure why, ask Gary after church. Right? It's, it's be good to commit as much of it to memory as you can, but uh, I have a hard time uh, memorizing passages. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's good to make that effort. Um, uh, you can't remember the whole thing. You've got, you've got to be in the Bible and allow God to remind you constantly what his word says, what he has said, and allow the Spirit of God to minister to you through his words, which the Bible calls quick or alive and powerful. So, boy, to, to not feed on that which God has given us, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, that's a problem. We're not, if we're not feeding on what we need, we become spiritually sick. So, so Paul says, Timothy, you, you, you stay in the Word of God, you teach people to do that, um, and, and you be faithful to the ministry that God has called you to. So that was Paul's prescription, if you will, uh, for Timothy to avoid falling into error uh, and the things that he should teach to his church members then, and, and for this pastor to teach this church now to avoid slipping into or falling into uh, the error of turning from God and his word. So really, it's a warning primarily about taking care to, to be separate from those that are outside the faith and their influence. And if you view it that way for a moment, um, the next chapter, uh, chapter uh, 5 this morning, uh, Paul turns his attention in his letter to Timothy from those unbelievers outside the church 
Uh, he he kind of brings his attention, not looking out the window, but kind of back inside and around the church now. He, uh, he draws our attention back inside the church, and he says, listen, uh, I've warned you about people outside who have departed from the faith. So now what I want to do is, is remind you. I've, I've warned you about them. What I want to do now is remind you uh, that you're a family. A, ch- a church is a family, amen. In a sense, it is. A church is a family. Uh, and, and Paul uh, takes time now to uh, teach Timothy uh, about what it means for a church to be a family and what he should then teach to the church members who are called to be that family. Uh, and of course, it's what this pastor is called to teach this church today. Uh, we've seen the warning about the error on the outside. Now we're called to say, okay, but now we're, we're, we're the ones that are inside. We're, we're the ones that have repented and placed our faith in Christ and, and been baptized and added to the uh, assembly, added to the membership of the church. How should we relate to each other? We've been warned against those out there. And yes, we need to be loving to them and share the gospel with them, but, but take care not to let them influence us. How should we treat each other inside the church? And uh, Paul, he goes through uh, how, how the older people, older men should be treated, how the younger men should be treated, how the older women should be treated, how the younger women should be treated. Uh, he spends a lot of this chapter dealing with widows, and this is really um, uh, sort of a treatise, if you will, on demonstrating love to those who have uh, a need, uh, and really a financial need is, is the idea here, uh, but at the same time taking care not to make those who really don't have a need dependent in a way that they should not be, uh, and then he deals a little bit with uh, proper care of the pastor uh, as well. So uh, you see here this idea that, hey, we're a family in a sense. Now, let me say this. I think uh, if you look at the cults out there over the years, there have been many cults that have really corrupted that idea of church as a family, right? They've, they've, they've taken this, this biblical principle of church members being sort of a spiritual family uh, and, and blown that to a very unhealthy, ungodly, unbiblical. That's not what we're going for, right? What we're going for is a biblical understanding of this family that we're called to be uh, and, and the, the way that God desires that we treat each other uh, respectfully, honorably, lovingly, uh, as, as a family. Wouldn't it be great, uh, by the way, I, th- I think you have that as a church family here, right? You, you love each other, church? You respect each other, amen? Uh, are we ever bad to each other? Well, sometimes, Pastor, we're not as good as we should be. I told someone yesterday, we're not a perfect church, but we're trying hard to be biblical and learn and grow, grow together, right? Uh, we're not perfect, we let each other down sometimes, we understand that. When we do, we should be quick to confess that, to apologize, uh, to ask the other person's forgiveness. That, that's biblical. By the way, remember, you can find grace from the Lord to do that, right? You can find strength from the Lord to do that, uh, and we should. So I'm going to read this morning down through about verse 19. Let's stand together if you're able to. I want to read down through verse 19. We'll see um, this portion of the passage uh, this morning. So here... Uh, reading from God's words, 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, under inspiration, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, uh, and the younger men as brethren, treat them as brothers, uh, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, so family language being used here, 
uh, all with purity. Now, verse 3, he says, honor widows that are widows indeed. And he'll deal with widows uh, as sort of um, members of the church family here at some length. He says, but if any widow, verse 4, have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Okay, what's good in God's eyes? Here's an example of something. She that is a widow indeed and desolate, as the idea of isolated or having no one else, and trusted in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. Paul's giving Timothy the qualifications that would, uh, if you will, qualify a widow for support from the church, loving care of the church. Uh, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So he's basically making a contrast between two types of women. Uh, These things, verse 7, give in charge that they may be blameless. Verse 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own home, he's denied the faith. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. Verse 9, let not a widow be taken unto the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported, she has a good reputation, well reported of for good works, uh, if she hath brought up children, if she hath lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has received the afflicted, if she's been hospitable, if she hath diligently followed every good work. Verse 11, but the younger widows refuse... For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. With all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, uh, but tattlers also, and busybodies, gossips, speaking things which they ought not. Gossip ought not to be spoken. Paul says in verse 14, I will, therefore, that these younger widows marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary, the enemy, to speak reproachfully, uh, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Verse 16, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Let the elders, uh, pastors now, pastors now, let the elders that rule well uh, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Uh, he's worthy of a reward. Uh, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So uh, family relationships between, within the church family uh, and within families that, that constitute the church family uh, this morning. Let's pray. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning. We, we, we find here this morning, Lord, just incredibly practical teaching uh, for families uh, and families within the church. Father, I pray this morning that we would simply receive this very practical instruction this morning. Lord, this is not... Um, uh, really doctrinal as much as it is practical. Of course, there's doctrines that we draw on, and uh, we'll do that this morning. But uh, Lord, I, I thank you this morning for a passage that is just very practical. Lord, we may look at this and have some difficulty understanding or some difficulty with the idea that I, I can act according to your words. But Lord, we, we know we can this morning because of thy spirit. And thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who indwells us Lord, I'm grateful. 
Father, work here now. Help me now. Lord, we pray this morning all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, can, you, can you think of a, a time when maybe it was difficult to be godly, uh, to act godly toward each other within your own family, kind of at home? Uh, is, is that always easy to be very godly, brothers and sisters and parents and children? And It's not, right? It, it's, it's not. Of course, we, we find strength in the Lord, instruction from Him. Uh, to do that, we understand that it, it can be it can be difficult to relate to one another in a godly way within our church family as well. And so, boy, we we look to the Lord for strength and grace uh, to do that. Uh, as we've seen here, a big part of the passage has to do with widows, and you know we'll we'll take care to understand that well. It's practical instruction for a church, and we want to make sure we have a good handle on that as. Uh, as a church, but let's uh, let's begin here and, and just see Paul's instruction here uh, regarding our relationship with each other uh, as as a church family, as a church family first. We see uh, the Lord desires that we and take this as number one, I guess this morning. The Lord desires that we treat. Uh, fellow church members uh, as family, uh, very much as a family. It's not our biological family, not our family of origin, but uh, very much uh, the Lord, uh, just as he's used the illustration of a body with each one being part of the body, the Lord uses the idea here that uh, in, in a sense, we're a family, and each member uh, is a member of the family, having a place and a role of service, or a place of service, uh, duties and obligations to one another, just like we would have uh, in a family back at home. Well, let's, let's see here what Paul says. In, uh, in chapter 5, that's where we are, right? First Timothy 5, verse 1, uh, Paul says first, he says, rebuke not an elder but entreat or treat him as a father. Uh, rebuke not an elder, but, but treat him as a father. Now, Gary, I understand normally when I see that word elder, I'm thinking pastor, right? I'm thinking uh, elder, bishop, deacon, three different references to the office of pastor within the church. Uh, there's no doubt later on in the passage, Paul is using that word to refer specifically to the pastor, uh, an elder in the sense that he's called to be spiritually mature, right? One of the qualifications that we saw earlier in the book. But in context here, it would seem that he's not, he's not referring here in verses 1 and 2 uh, to the pastor specifically, but, but more to gentlemen who are a little bit older in the church, right? Because we see here uh, elder and then younger, right? Elder, uh, the first... Uh, fourth word, and then it's younger uh, men, elder women, and then younger women. So uh, here in the first couple of verses, this, this word elder doesn't seem to refer necessarily to the pastor, but to kind of the older men in the church. Now, older men, I'm, I said older, right? I didn't say old, right? No one's offended yet, right? You're not offended, brother, right? Are, are you old? No, you're just a little bit older, right? Just older. That's all. Older. Rebuke not. Brother Garcia said, praise God, I'm not old. I'm just a little bit older. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Say amen, brother. <laughs> I'm not old. I'm just a little older. Uh, some are older. Some are younger. These are relative terms that we see here uh, in the text, right? We understand. I'm getting a little bit older. Uh, I understand that. Uh, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Well, listen, we, we know how the Lord uh, teaches uh, young uh, children to treat their father respectfully, right? Honorably. 
Uh, the Lord promises a blessing of longer life, right? We've seen that uh, Old Testament promise uh, to children who will treat their parents honorably. Uh, we understand that God has ordained uh, authority in a family in parents, for sure. Uh, we might say especially in the father as the spiritual leader of the family. Uh, we understand that within a marriage, God has ordained authority in a husband. Uh, wife is equal, but called to voluntarily submit herself to the authority of the husband, just as the, God the Father and God the Son are equal in every way, but Jesus voluntarily submitted himself to the the authority of the Father and his plan to come uh, as a man. Be reminded this morning, please, things work when we live according to the Lord's plan, his model for families uh, and churches. It just works if we'll all submit to God's plan. Uh, God is the one who has architected a workable system, a workable plan for families uh, and for churches uh, and for society at large. There's hierarchies of authority that he has ordained. So uh, younger people, we understand, are called to recognize the authority of older people. There's a sense uh, in which they have authority. Uh, in any event, there's a respect that younger people are called here to. They're, they're not to rebuke, to abrade, to, to, to chastise, to, to be disrespectful to older people. Why does this have to be here, by the way? Why does the Lord have to put this, this command here in this passage? Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Why does that have to be there? Uh, do, you ever, do you ever look at that and wonder, what, why is that? Uh, why does that have to be there? Is, have you ever noticed that younger people just naturally tend to be disrespectful to older people? Anyone who's a little older ever noticed that? Isn't that true? There's just a natural tendency for younger people to be disrespectful to older people. It's not a godly tendency. Uh, it's very much an old nature, sin nature thing. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I thought I knew everything. Brother Garcia, the older I get, the, the more uh, I don't know. You know, you, the older you get, you, learn, you don't have every little thing figured out. But boy, when, when you're young, you think you know it all. Anybody here, was anybody here ever know it all? <laughs> boy lord thank you if you've brought us from that place to a, a more humble place where we realize we don't know it all uh thank you lord thank you and uh, help me to help me to recognize that those who are older uh, are worthy of honor uh godly men uh, in particular certainly uh, as we get older, we, we learn more. As, if you're living a, a wise, godly life, gentlemen and ladies, you're, uh, you're learning the words of God, and, and, and God has grown you through trials and different experiences that he has used to shape you and mold you in the image of your Savior. And uh, boy, younger people should recognize that. There's so much we can learn. Uh, younger uh, children, you, you can learn a lot from mom and dad. Uh, you can learn a lot from mom and dad. Respect them. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, uh, and the younger men as brethren. So uh, Paul's writing to Timothy. He's, uh, he's saying, Timothy, hey, you, you treat the, the younger men in the church as, as your brothers, uh, not as uh, you know, a Cain and Abel kind of brothers, but uh, treat them as, as godly brothers in Christ. Treat them as 
you know, like you would a, a, a close family member, a, a brother at home uh, who you ought to have a close godly relationship with. View your fellow church, the young men in the church like you, Timothy, view them as brothers and treat them that way. Be there for them. Be there to encourage them and to help them. Uh, be there for them, uh, just like you should be there for a biological brother and sister. Verse 2, he says, the elder women as mothers. You know, you ought to treat your mother well. Treat the elder women in the church well also. Uh, everybody in the church ought to recognize now the honorability, and not just of the older men, but the older ladies uh, as well. Uh, they are deserving of respect and honor. They have gained wisdom just like the older men have, and so they uh, should be treated respectfully. Uh, again, this is not always our natural inclination, uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to set aside that natural inclination uh, and to treat the older folks in the church with great respect. Treat the younger women as well as sisters. Uh, treat them the same way you would treat your sister. I think I confessed recently, Gary, that when I was young, I didn't always treat my sister real well. Did I confess that publicly? I think I did. <laughs> You get a little bit older, you start to feel bad about that, right? And you go back and apologize. We've apologized to each other. We worked it out. Amen. Uh, uh, we're to treat them as a little bit more mature brothers and sisters, right? Protecting them, looking to uh, be a help and an encouragement uh, and to protect them in any way we can with all purity. God wants us to relate to each other within the church as loving family members, there for each other, honoring, encouraging, respecting one another, uh, being there to protect one another, being there for each other. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Uh, we need a reminder of that sometimes, you know. It's easy to come in on Sunday morning and, you know, kind of be polite to each other and, uh, and then be gone and, you know, not, not think too much about each other, or it's easy to be kind of just dismissive of each other. I'm not saying that's where we are, but boy, let's, let's really take a moment and get a hold of this verse. The Lord has called us to be a church family, a family that is truly, genuinely there for each other, like a family should be. And so I'm going to say, yeah, but pastor, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, if I if I could get beyond some of my natural tendencies, I don't know that I'll like everyone. By the way, do you? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Do you have any family members that you don't like? <laughs> don't raise your hand, please. By the way, the camera can see you maybe in the first row or two, but not beyond that. So if you raise your hand and you're, Zach, you might be on camera, I'm not sure. Gary, you're on camera. Uh, beyond that, you're safe. Okay, you raise your hand, no one will see you. If you raise your hand, I won't call you out. Oh, Carol, you raise your hand. No, no, she did not. She did not. Do you have any family members that you don't? Let me, let me say it a little more gently. That you have a hard time liking? Yeah. Can you choose to love them even if they're not very likable? Church? Can you choose to like them even if they're not very likable? Yes, you can. You can because as a Christian, as a believer, a genuine 
believer, one who's placed their faith in Christ for salvation, uh, in that moment, you were not only forgiven, but you were changed, right? You were changed in that moment. You were given a new nature by the Spirit of God who came in and indwelled you in that moment. You, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, indwelling you now, together with the Father and the Son. Uh, and, and as you learn to yield to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God brings forth those fruit that we talk about so much, right? Uh, it's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, and I think you probably have it memorized, good verses to memorize. Uh, if you haven't, the fruit, the, what's fruit? Well, fruit is something that comes forth, it, literal fruit comes forth from a tree, right? A, a healthy tree bears fruit. A healthy believer is yielded to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God brings forth these things as fruits. These fruit include love. That's the first thing on the list, right? Uh, who thinks here that um, the Lord is always able to view you as just incredibly likable. <laughs> uh, does he love you? Does he love you no matter what? Well, yeah, according to the Bible, uh, before we were saved, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. I wonder if it's possible. I, I think the Lord likes us all no matter what. He's, he's perfect. We are not. Certainly he loves us. Uh, it's because of his love for us that we're able to demonstrate love to others. If you're saved, you have the Spirit of God in you, uh, and it's not you that is able to love. It's the Spirit of God in you, enabling it, making it possible for you to love. Isn't that good to know? Anybody not know that before they came this morning? Maybe you came and you didn't know that. It's possible for you to be loving to someone that is hard to like because the Spirit of God who indwells you as a believer makes that possible. What, what is Christian love? What's biblical love? We talk about it all the time. You know it's not just a ooh, ooh, ah, ah, I love you, right? Visitors, I, I, teach, I teach it like that all. It's not just ooh, ooh, ah, ah, I love you. Uh, it's a, a willingness to do for people the way family members are called to do for each other, right? That word is uh, often in our King James Bible, love is very often translated charity, right? And that brings out the idea that it's, biblical love is love in action. It, it's the Holy Spirit-powered, fueled uh, a willingness and ability to do for others because you desire to demonstrate love to them the same way God has demonstrated love to us at the cross. If you're saved this morning, if you've placed your faith in Christ for forgiveness of sins, you have the Holy Spirit and you're able to demonstrate love to each other uh, because of that and honestly really only because of that, right? Christ makes this possible. That's the first thing. Um, what are some of the other fruit on the list? Do you remember? So there's love. Uh, oh, let me back up for one second. Let me back up for one second. Um, do you have to choose to exercise love? Is that, is that something you have to choose to do? I think as we grow as believers, it becomes more of a habit. If, you, if you're uh, yielded to the Spirit of God, it becomes more of a habit. But let's be honest, sometimes if you're dealing with someone who, frankly, is hard to like... <laughs> has to be a choice, right? Right? Is that, don't you think? Right? If you're having trouble liking someone, showing them love, it's not natural. It's going to have to be supernatural. But you can, you can choose to, uh, 
you can, you can stop and say, okay, Lord, this is one of those times when it's going to have to be you. <laughs> I don't have it apart from you. You can pray that quick prayer, Lord, I'm, I'm having a hard time liking this unlikable person, but I know you would have me to demonstrate love to this person. And I know, Lord, if I'll just submit myself to you and make that choice to be obedient to you and, and look to you for that supernatural love, you'll give it. And I will choose to take it and employ it in demonstrating love to this person who, frankly, God, isn't very likable. You ever have to pray a prayer like that? Someone's shaking their head like this. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> Marilyn. <laughs> you could edit that out, brother, right? <laughs> um, in order to do verses 1 and 2, you think we may have to once in a while pray that prayer um, to treat the older men and the younger men and the younger men and the younger women, all, all of them. By the way, that's the whole church now, right? That's the whole church covered there. Uh, to treat them with respect and honor and dignity and really love is what's being implied. Um, you might have to pray that prayer once in a while, right? Someone gets on your nerves you ever get on each other's nerves? <laughs> Who laughed? <laughs> Who, Carolyn, did you laugh? <laughs> she said, oh, Pastor, believe me. <laughs> I think I, I called Carolyn. <laughs> now, no finger pointing. <laughs> I think I called Carolyn about six times this week, and uh, I probably got on her nerves at least once. I, I could just picture her, Lord, give me grace to deal with our pastor. Help me to be, right? <laughs> Help me to be lovable to him. Did you have to? You didn't have to, did you? She's going like this. You wouldn't lie right in the middle of church service, would you? No. No, Pastor. Um, yeah. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love and joy. You can be joyful when people aren't being likable because you have the Spirit of God in you. You can demonstrate love to them and do that with joy. Wow. <laughs> Gary, you can do that. I, and you do. I know you do. You can choose to demonstrate love to each other and do it with joy because the Spirit of God is in us bringing both of those things forth in us and through us. And the verse continues, peace, there's peace possible. And long-suffering, that's patience. These all go together. And we could be gentle with each other and be good to each other and be faithful and meek and temperate uh, in our walk with each other because the Spirit of God makes that possible. Boy, how important to keep this in mind, right? Uh, Lord, help us. Help us to do, not just to know what verses 1 and 2 say, but to be a people who will yield ourselves to you uh, to, to live those verses practically, but not in my power, not in my strength, but God, in, in your grace, your strength, uh, and with the fruit of the Spirit, which aren't from me, they're from you. You're the tree bringing them forth on my limbs, right, through my limbs. Uh, you're you, Lord, please help me. Uh, and then we can. Uh, we can live verses 1 and 2. By the way, 
if you'll do that within the church, you can, you can have the same result in your family back home also, right? Uh, whomever that is and extended family members and so forth. Well, let's continue on here. Uh, in the list here of people who exist within our church family are widows, uh, are widows. And uh, what the Lord, is, the Lord is teaching very practically here uh, which of the widows, so widow is someone who's lost their spouse, right? And typically we understand it would be a woman who's being pictured here. Uh, so a lady who's lost her husband, uh, there's a few categories of, of widows here. I think it's, it's in this context of church family and, and demonstrating love and respect to each other that the Lord has kind of set the context here to kind of bring up this topic. Now, we know in the first century a lot of folks that were saved were saved out of Judaism and Judaism had sort of structure and tradition of providing assistance to widows. There was financial support that was available. And, and, and those that had been saved out of Judaism and came into a first century uh, New Testament local church, um, you know, they, they, they had needs. Some came in and it had needs. So the, church, uh, was lo- the churches were looking at uh, ways that they could provide similar help and support to uh, the widows that were part of their church family, the verses one and two thing uh, that existed, and, and yet they, they needed instruction from the Lord about how to do that, who to assist, who not to assist. Uh, Lord knows, like we do, right? There's maybe not everyone could be supported the way the church would want to. That continues to be true today. So the Lord uh, gives instruction, very practical, specific instruction here about who should be financially aided, lovingly aided financially um, as a widow. First of all, see verse 3. Widows, they're to be prized and valued, not cast aside, which might be a natural inclination. See verse 3, it's a command. Uh, What's that first word? Honor. Honor. This is a command. Honor them, prize them, value them, Uh, invest yourself in them. Uh, Honor uh, widows that are widows indeed. So, Lord, already you're seeing this idea here that some are are true widows in the sense that, not just in the sense that they've, they've lost their spouse, their husband, uh, but they have no other, um, no other choice but to seek help from the church. So some are gonna be kind of qualified, some are not gonna be qualified. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, in verse four, we see the idea that uh, when a widow has family, you know, biological family, close biological relatives, Uh, that could help her, they should do that so that that doesn't burden the church unnecessarily and so that the church would be in a more of a position to demonstrate loving financial support and assistance to the widows that don't have anyone. Uh, This is the biblical principle here. Family should, biological family should be there for each other just like the church family should be there for each other to the extent that they can And if they will do that, if they will honor that commitment, that will help the church to keep its resources available for those that just don't have any other choice but to seek the assistance of the church. So see this in verse 4. If any widow have children or nephews, uh, let them first, uh, let them, let me try that again. Let them learn first to show piety. This is respect or support in context uh, at home and to requite, in context, the word has the idea of to give or to pay uh, their parents. For that is good 
and acceptable before God. So here's, here's biblical principle. Yep, it's very practical. It's not deep doctrine. It's not difficult. Uh, it's a very practical uh, biblical principle here. Uh, if, if you've got a parent or a close family member uh, who uh, is in need of financial support, the close family should do what they can uh, for, for biological family members. Specifically in context here, it's widows, right? So if there's a widow who's, you know, she has no other, she has a legitimate need for assistance, uh, her first line of defense, if you will, is, is close family. The Bible says that's good and acceptable before God. That's God's desire. Uh, that's God's plan. That's God's intention. Very practical, very practical. Now, uh, beginning in verse 5, Paul begins to lay out and describe, uh, well, okay, uh, not every widow is going to have family that could support her or, or help to support her. So which of the widows um, are candidates for support within the church? Uh, what would be the criteria or qualifications? You remember back early in the chapter, we saw criteria or qualifications for pastors. Same idea here now. Now it's widows. What would be the criteria for widows uh, to come in and be supported by the church? And, you know, here in our church, that would be the, the what we used to call deacons fund, called benevolence fund now. Uh, which of them would be qualified for assistance from the church? Well, look at verse 5. Now, she that is a widow indeed, uh, so someone who's truly a widow who will be qualified, um, well, she's desolate is our King James word here. The word has the idea of being isolated, but really in the sense of being single or alone. She's, she doesn't have anywhere else to turn, no other close family members outside the church, biological family members, to whom she could turn to. So there just aren't folks available, or maybe there are folks that are there but not willing uh, to provide support to her. So she's, she's got to have a true legitimate need and no other family members present, able, and willing uh, to support her. So that's the first thing. Uh, then there's some spiritual qualifications here. So there's some very practical thing. It has to be that she's got to really be a widow. She's got to have looked to family, close family first. And then beyond that, there are some spiritual qualifications. It's not just any widow who happens to be in the church who doesn't happen to have any family that she could turn to. Uh, no, she has to be godly. She has to have trusted in God. She's someone uh, trusteth. She trusteth in God. She is someone who is demonstrating an ongoing trust uh, in God. Church, do you have an ongoing trust in God? Some of the things we just apply to all of us, right? Everyone in this room should be trusting God on a daily basis. Uh, and sometimes, is it always easy to do that? It's not always as easy as some other times. Lord, help us to trust you. God, use those trials to teach us to trust you more and more and more. Thank you, Lord, for that. So she's one, the spiritual qualification, she's, she's trusting in God uh, and continue with. Well, the, the word and the ending, the underlying kind of grammar here, uh, all work together to sh show us that she has an ongoing what? Uh, ongoing prayerfulness, supplications and prayers night and day. She's a godly woman, woman uh, who's trusting in God uh, and who has a testimony of being prayerful night and day. Well, all of us should be trusting in God. All of us should be prayerful night and day. By the way, what's that word supplications there? How's it different than prayers? 
prayers, <laughs> prayers. Well, how is supplication that word different from prayers? Remember, supplication is a type of prayer, right? So uh, it's, it's making requests to God, making, making requests to God. This is kind of what we think about when we think about praying. Uh, but, but remember, there's, there's supplications are making requests of God, uh, and then there's all the other uh, examples of, of prayer parts, if you will, that the Lord modeled or gave us in, in his model prayer, right? There's worship, uh, all those things, really all the, the worshipful aspects of prayer. Let's just take this verse as a reminder quickly that our prayer should include as much or more worship than making requests of God. Somebody say amen, because that's, that's Bible, right? Um, we take care to, to kind of bookend our prayers with worship as Christ taught us to in, in his model prayer. Take time to worship the Lord before you bring your requests and then close your prayer with worship. That's his desire. That's his, Pastor Washington did that. Well, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Christ taught. That's what the Lord desires. And it just makes sense, right? You, you come to the Lord with a request. Maybe, maybe just be respectful to worship, make your request, and, and, and worship some more. God desires that. He desires that. Uh, so she trusteth in God, praise God. She continueth in prayers, making petitions uh, and prayers, worshipful prayers. Um, and then we see here... Uh, um, Verse six, but, but, so there's a contrast here between her that is, she that is spiritually qualified and she that isn't, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Uh, you know, this is, um, what I can say for sure is that the one who's spiritually qualified is contrasted here with one who's ungodly, right? She's, I could say more, um, I don't want to look at all the possibilities here this morning, but she has to be spiritually um, qualified. She has to be a godly woman to be qualified for the support of the church as a widow. Does she have to be perfect in every way? Anybody here perfect in every way? No. Will you be one day? He will be, right? Lord is growing us and perfecting us, and boy, when we're home with him, we'll, we'll be perfected. Uh, don't you look forward to that? Wow, uh, that's where we're heading. We're pilgrims passing through this increasingly more difficult world. Is it difficult out there? It is, right? We'll, Lord is perfecting us now. When we get home to him, we will be perfected. See verse 8. See verse 8. Uh, this is really addressed to the close family members who the widow should be looking to first for assistance. Verse 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, his own biological family, he's denied the faith. He's the strong, that sounds like strong language, and is worse then an infidel. What's an infidel? Well, an unbeliever, right? So, boy, the Lord says, you, you have got to be in the business of providing for your family, supporting them, meeting their practical needs. Uh, that, that is a biblical principle. That is a, a, a biblical principle. Uh, to, to violate that is to deny the faith uh, and to be worse than an unbeliever. Now, can I lose my salvation for not take care of family? No, uh, no, but understand how God views that. He views that as a denial of the faith, and uh, in, in his eyes, it's so bad. It's, it's like being worse than an unbeliever. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, we can understand that for sure. Uh, in context here, it's dealing specifically with widows, so, you know, I take care not to lift this verse out of context. That's that is the immediate context, but 
you know, I think it's proper and, and fair and right to, you, know, you, could, you could generalize this verse a little bit more and, and apply it. You know, a, a man should provide for his family. A wife should have her place. A man should have his place. Each should be doing uh, their part for their family. Uh, it's, it's, that's God's plan. That's God's will. That's God's, that's God's desire. Let's move on here and continue just a little bit further. Um, there's an age requirement. <laughs> she is um, at least 60 years old, the, the widow that would be taken on for support of the church, verse 9. Let not a widow be taken a number under threescore years old. Threescore, a score is 20. Three scores, 20. It's like a math problem here in Scripture, right? 20, 40, 60. Okay, so she's at least 60. She's not divorced, verse 9. Uh, she's uh, having been the wife of one man. She, she's not been divorced. She's the wife uh, of one man. By the way, uh, could she remarry if her husband died biblically? Would she be biblically permitted to remarry? Zach's going like this. I agree. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 39. I might want to write that down there. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 9, Paul teaches, Paul taught the Corinthian church, writing under inspiration, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. She's married believer, right? So um, husband and wife called to stay together as long as they are married. Uh, if one dies, uh, the other one is biblically qualified and eligible to, to remarry. Now, uh, evidently, if this woman remarried, well, then she would no longer be a widow who was qualified for support, uh, but um, we understand. Look at verse 10, and um, we'll probably stop here this morning, and I might come back to this uh, this evening. We'll, we'll look at that verses next week, but um, she also has a reputation and a history of faithful generosity toward others. We'll look at this verse and we'll stop here this morning. She has a reputation and a history of faithful generosity to others. And again, this is the widow who would be qualified to partake of the generosity of the church. She is one who over time uh, generated, not de generated, but demonstrated the same kind of loving generosity in her own life. So uh, Paul is looking back now to probably a time when she was married and, um, and, and had no need because of that, but in, in her own um, time of, of, of much, she was willing to take and invest and be generous uh, toward others. So there's this principle here, this one who, would, um, who has a legitimate need today uh, to be qualified to receive of the generosity of the church, she should have a history of generosity uh, at least as much as, as she should. So, you know, really I think there's a picture of blessing for obedience here. She's kind of invested uh, in her own obedience historically and so the Lord desires to use the church to be a blessing to her during her time of need. So, so let's see verse 10. And I guess if you're a lady today who's married, uh, you look at this and say, well, I want to make sure I'm doing this today so that I'd be qualified for the support of the church in the future if I ever needed that. Okay, so I think that's, that's very practical. Verse 10, she's well reported of for good works. She has a reputation uh, of good works, of course, not works that she performed to get her saved. No, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. 
She has reputation of good works. Uh, if she have brought up children, uh, so I, you know, if the Lord gave her children, if the Lord would allow her to have children, she's invested herself in kind of raising the next generation. Uh, if she have lodged strangers, was she hospitable? Was she hospitable, or was she more like that lost pastor? Uh, it was it Second John, right? Uh, if she was hospitable, uh, did she? Did she invest what she had in the lives of others? Uh, if she had washed the saints' feet, was she one that had a heart to, be, to serve other people uh, as she was able to? Is it literally washing feet? I don't think so. But I think what's being pictured here is a heart to serve and to give, to be a loving support and aid to others as she was able to when she was younger and married. If she hath relieved the afflicted, same idea here, uh, was, was she a loving help and support to others? If she have diligently followed every good work, is this someone who was diligent and serious about serving the Lord, not just living to live and kind of wait for the rapture, wait to be home with the Lord, but was she really serious about serving God and understanding that uh, a lot of times serving, a big part of serving the Lord is serving others, right? That's, that's really what it is to serve the Lord this side of heaven. Uh, really practically where the rubber meets the road uh, involves serving others. Did she do that? Did she invest herself lovingly when she was able to in the lives of others? And, and I think it's both her biological family and her church family that are in view here. If yes, then, together with these other criteria, she's qualified to receive assistance from the church. I think we'd have to say practically to the extent that the church is able to do that. I understand the churches, all churches have uh, not unlimited financial means. Certainly we're not a church with unlimited financial means, but um, to the extent that we are able to, as there are qualifying widows in our church family, we are called by God to discern kind of who qualifies and to demonstrate loving support, practically, financially, um, to the extent the church is able to. Listen, this would just be an example. This would just be an example of what um, we see in verses 1 and 2. Go back there for a moment. I think verses 1 and 2 establish the context, and the rest of what we've seen here, just, I think, just an example of the kind of love. It's a specific example that the Lord defines practically and carefully and clearly, but uh, it is an example of demonstrating love, honor, and respect to fellow church members, taking care to do that in very practical ways, um, not just you know, kind of being like ships passing in the night, uh, you know, people passing by each other in church, but really taking care to invest in each other's lives as a family. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. My dad's going to visit here. Uh, he's going to come on Thursday, Lord willing, and stay for two weeks. Would you pray for that visit? Would you pray for that visit? Please do. Uh, please do. Um, the younger men treat them as brethren. The elder women treat them as mothers. The younger 
women. Treat them as sisters with all purity. Be there for each other. Invest in each other. Be very intentional and purposeful about that. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Look to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your grace and strength. I need your love uh, to do this joyfully. Uh, and understand, if you will, uh, our church will be stronger. Understand God blesses obedience, and um, he blesses it in all kinds of ways. Do you, do you appreciate God's blessings, church? You do, right? I do. I appreciate God. God has blessed us abundantly. I'm so very thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful for it just practically, but I'll remind you this morning, look to the blessings of God as uh, something that brings honor and glory to him. You know, someone says, boy, look at what you have. Say, yeah, praise God. It's, the, it's God's blessing in my life. Uh, let, me, let me share with you how you can know God's blessings. I'll say again this morning, we take care not to preach a health and a wealth gospel. We don't, we don't preach, hey, if you'll just come to Christ, you'll be wealthy and, uh, and healthy. The Lord may bless you beyond what your needs are, but that's not what really what it's about. But let me ask you this, does God bless your obedience? He does. He does. This morning, the area of obedience that we're called to is treat each other like family, demonstrate love and respect, be there for each other. We have a specific example of the widows. Look to the Lord for grace and strength and love to exercise toward one another. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, our desire is that you would, number one, be sure that you know Christ as your Savior. We help you with that this morning. Uh, number two, look to the Lord for peace about where he would have you to be attending church. Pray, Lord, is this the church you would have us to, to join and, and become part of the family of and, you know, to be this for each other? Pray about that, please. Um, if you're saved but not baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. That's important biblically. Um, but, you know, if, if you decide, if you feel that God would add you to the membership of this church, we want you to understand that we want to be a church that will treat you like family and be there for you. Is that our heart, church? That's our heart. Amen? Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning for my church family, for brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I am very grateful for them. Uh, thank you for their encouragement, their support, their love in every way. Lord, I can't thank you enough for them and, and their generosity toward me and my family. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you'd help us to get a hold of this idea that we are very much family in a, as a church, and you've called us to, uh, to live that way and to look to you for grace and strength and all we need to live that way. We understand we cannot do that perfectly, but Lord, we, we certainly can look to you and, uh, for your help. And Father, I pray this morning, first of all, that we, if, if, we've, if we're convicted this morning, we've, we've not invested in each other the way we should, I pray we'd confess that even now. Lord, that we would just agree with you. We confess that. Say, Lord, uh, I, I'm just not sure I've, I've, I've been the kind of loving church family member that I should be. But, Lord, I confess that this morning, and I, and I ask you to put off disobedience. Help me to do that. Help me to put on obedience to you. Give me grace. Lord, give me the love I need to invest in each other. Lord, I'll do that. Lord, I'll do that. Uh, maybe some will take a moment and just stop and, and pray that right now. Uh, maybe there's someone else here who would say, you know what, Pastor? If I was being honest this morning, I'm not 100% sure 
that there's been a time that I've placed my faith in Christ. I'm not 100% sure that I'm, that I'm saved, that my sins are forgiven, that I have eternal life. Uh, but I, boy, I'd love to get that right this morning. I, I'm just not sure, but I'd like to have an opportunity to get that right this morning. Listen, just, just listen where you are, please. The Bible makes it very, very clear. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible makes it very clear that there's a penalty due for our sin, but that Christ died for us to pay that penalty for us. Do we have any part in that? Well, we can't earn that, that salvation. It's by grace through faith. We don't deserve it. Christ has earned it for us. The only thing that we need to do is turn to him, repenting, turning away from uh, past things, from sin, from trusting in our own good works, whatever it is, turning toward Christ and placing our faith in him. Bible says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. By the way, it's a certainty that if you will do that, they'll be blotted out. Um, the Bible says that if any shall confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Listen, if, you, if you're not sure this morning that you've placed your faith in Christ, I wanna encourage you to just take a moment even where you are right now, say, Lord, I understand that I'm a sinner. I agree with you. I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord, I understand this morning, Jesus is the only way. And Father, I pray this morning that you help me now to, to turn to Christ and place my faith in him, understanding that in that moment, my sins are forgiven, that I gain eternal life in that moment if I will just repent and turn to Christ and trust him, the blood that he shed, the price that he paid upon that cross at Calvary. Lord, this morning, that is my decision. I am turning to Christ and placing my faith in him once and for all uh, for eternal life. Now that's a decision that you make very privately with the Lord. Uh, but this morning I would say this, we'd love to be able to know your decision and to rejoice with you uh, and to encourage you if that's a decision that you are making. Uh, I'm not going to call you out this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name out, anything like that. But if you've made that decision this morning to place your faith in Christ, I would like to be able to pray and to encourage you. Well, no one's looking around. Uh, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If that's your decision this morning, would you just quickly slip your hand up and slip it down? Pastor, that's my decision. As best I understand, I am placing my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, trusting him to be my savior. Would you slip your hand up and slip it down? No one's looking around. I promise you this this morning, that's a decision that you will never, ever regret. You'll never regret that decision. Do me this favor while, while heads are still bowed. No one's looking around. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you know that he's your Savior. You know that you have eternal life. Would you just put your hand up and put it down? Uh, put your hand, hands all around the room. Praise God. Praise God. All around the room. Father, I thank you this morning for the certainty of salvation when we turn to Christ to place our faith in him. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you again for our church family. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord, 
to be family to one another, to be there for each other, to encourage one another, to be willing to lovingly correct one another, to be willing to support and aid one another wisely, Father. Uh, Lord, to be an encouragement spiritually to each other. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.